0: morning, Father. We need you. (laughs) We need your presence. And, And I know that it is absolutely impossible for a moment to exist that God isn't in. But Lord, often we are just not aware. We're distracted. We're a million miles away. We're working on the next moment, and we are terrible at being in the moment we're in. Lord, would you please invite us into this moment together, this eternal moment filled with worship and praise and thanksgiving and fellowship and connection with each other. I I ask you, Lord, to bring us into this moment with you. Bring us out of our heads that are filled with distractions and in through our hearts that are filled with cares and down into our spirit that is filled with your spirit, where our life really is. Drive us deeper within the the eternity you have set in our hearts to share this moment with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. My name is Michael, if this is your first Sunday. If it's not your first Sunday, my name is still Michael. <laughs> Hasn't changed. Uh, Michael's a good way to get a hold of me and say, Michael, I'll, I'll, I'll t- perk up. Unless you're talking to that Michael, then, then I won't, I'll ignore it. So I uh, first, before I get into the message today, I want to say like a big thank you. Um, personally, it's been a rough year. In my family this year, some situations I'm dealing with back, my parents, and I just want to thank you for your patience, and uh, I wish I could tell you that the situation was resolved, but it's not, and, uh, but I just thank you for your patience, it's thanks, I appreciate it. So um, today I, w- I want to jump into a series, and the title of this message is The Forgotten God, <laughs> and I shamelessly stole that title from someone else, it's not an original title, um, I want to, this series is about connecting with God and operating with God through His Holy Spirit, which is the only way for us to connect and operate with God. There is no other way. And, um, and, and we're going to look at some passages. I'm going to lay some things out for you today. It's going to be very simple. But here's what I need you to do, and this will be the hard part. Everyone in this room has preconceived notions about God the Holy Spirit Some of you are scared to death of him and rightfully so I've been in those meetings Some of you are like the The Christians at Ephesus and you're like well, I don't even know if there is a God the Holy Spirit Some of you are like very comfortable you are ready to run the room right now, okay? so I just want you to know that I want to come at this. Our job as Christians is to be united in the love of Christ. We are not united in our beliefs other than that we believe in Jesus. And so all of us are going to have different perspectives and views on things. And that's okay. Because all of us, including me, will one day stand before Jesus and go, Oh, <laughs> I was wrong about a lot. Okay? I'm very convinced now. I have a very high opinion of my opinion. But as we walk through this together, the point of being in church is unity. Jesus said, they're going to know you follow me because you love each other. And every one of us has been in the church that did not love each other, if you've done church very much. And the reason we're here together at this moment is because that's not Okay. And so today as we walk through this, I want you to know I make room for everybody in this thinking about the Holy Spirit. Some of you are thinkers, and that's your gifting, and we need you to be thinkers. And some of you are feelers, and you're weird. (laughs) But we need you to be feelers. Do you understand what I'm saying? We need that in the body of Christ. As we walk through this, we're going to talk about the fact that tension is what holds the body together, not what pulls it apart. And so as we walk through this today, I just want to kind of reset your thinking about God, the Holy Spirit. If you're online, I always forget to talk to the online audience. Give me just a second. Hey, guys. Fourth wall thing here. Hey, Emery, get better. All right. Uh, leave a comment, let us know you 're there. We just want you to know thanks for being part of us today. So I think I have this suspicion belief based on what I would call empirical data that the Western Church, which would include the American church, the european church, the Western Church is kind of has struggles in believing God the Holy Spirit, struggles believing that is there, what the point of of it being there is going to be. Can you run my slides? I'm sorry to throw you on the spot, but uh, something just happened. I'm very sorry. (laughs) I think God, Holy Spirit has been demoted in the Western church. Somehow there's just the belief that we don't need him anymore for reasons I'll never understand. And so let's, I want to think about some things that Holy Spirit is not. Holy Spirit is not the willies. You're like, what are the willies? I don't know what the willies are, but say willies. It feels funny. That's what the willies are. Okay. It's it's not this. Um, just because you sense or don't sense the presence of God does not mean He is less or more there. It might mean you're le- you're less or more aware, but you are never going to live a moment that God doesn't utterly fill. That's never going to happen because He's everywhere at all moments in time, at all points in time. That's the kind of God he is. Holy Spirit's not necessarily emotion. So I've been following the Asbury Revival, and I've been trying to not have an opinion because I feel like there are enough of them already. But I have one, obviously. And my opinion is this. Why are people scared of the Holy Spirit? Why are they frightened at emotion? Everyone, that's the number one complaint. What if it's all emotion? And so here's what I have to say. I don't really have an opinion on Asbury Revival. I have an opinion on emotion. I have never had an encounter with God that was not deeply emotional. Amen. No, it's never happened. Can you work up something with emotions? Probably, but it won't last. And so I don't worry about that emotional aspect that other people do. I don't, I think that the Holy Spirit can certainly evoke great emotion, but the presence or absence of emotions doesn't really tell you that much. Okay? Another thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit is not our will and our strength that we, through false humility, credit to God. That's my background. I grew up all works and all effort. And that's how I was taught. And, that, and so we were, we were taught things like, you work as if everything depends on you, and you pray as if everything depends on God. The only problem with that is, nothing depends on me. Christ did it all. He's everything. And so what I say is, Holy Spirit is not the fruit of our efforts, ever. He's just the presence of God manifest among us. And in any way that he chooses to. I love how, and I don't want to preach a sermon that's coming, so I'll try not to get in this too much. I just love how gentle the Father is. I just love how gentle he is. He, he, can, he can walk the, the, the thinker into amazing experience of his presence or the feeler into amazing experience of his presence, and he does it all with a very gentle and a very loving hand. It's always filled with the fruits of who he is, which is love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. That's my father. That's how he works. And so I think people are scared of him. Oh, and one last thing. I don't believe the Holy Spirit has been fired or demoted. I, I don't. I don't believe that. Um, I've heard people say, I've literal, I promise you I've heard people say this. Well, we don't need we don't need the Holy Spirit anymore. We don't need miracles anymore. We don't need deliverances. I've heard this more times than I can count, actually. And I'm like, dude, I need a miracle like right now. I mean, if I had a miracle today, I would make my life so much better. I mean, a, a deliverance. I mean, I personally could use a, a deliverance. On my back. Too bad for you. <laughs> I mean, the idea that we don't need the Holy Spirit, I think, is a little bit crazy. But i got to be straight with you. I don't read the Bible as a book of exceptions, and most people do. Most people read the book of Acts like, well, yeah, it happened then, but that was exceptional, and it can't happen now. I don't believe that. I believe the Bible is a book of examples. I believe Jesus is a man who lived an example. And I believe all the apostles and all their work was exemplary in the sense that it was to teach us how it should be done. Does that make sense? So, you say my, so I've just told you all my colors right there. You have no misconceptions about where I'm about to head, right? You, you got it. Okay, good. We're still going to have fun, though. I promise it won't be that bad. And I'm so sorry you're on the spot over there. So, i tell you what the Holy Spirit is, though. Jesus said, and we're going to read some of these passages, He is comfort for our souls. Anybody need comfort today? Uh, comfort is my new morning routine. I'm not kidding. It's my new, I'm, I'm serious. I, I learned something from John Eldridge in his book, Resilient, a skill that the he, book is teaching some skills about just getting out of your head and through your heart and into your spirit just by loving God and letting God love you and comfort you. Jesus said he was going to send a comforter because he knew life was going to be filled with pain and grief and loss. So every day I start now with the comforter because that's the only way I'm making it through actually is that I have a river I can tap into, a river of life. Because my wells my strength are inadequate for what I'm living right now. And that's true for you, too. I don't care if you're going through something right now or not. We all just went through the last three years. And it was three years of a traumatic relationship. And we're all trying to put our lives back together. But that's another sermon series that's coming. He's comfort. He's an advocate. He's a lawyer. He's your eternal defense attorney. That's what I mean by advocate. What's that mean? You have all these voices of accusation in your head and in your heart. Some of them take on the voice of someone who has been harmful to you or abusive to you. Some of them are are just the fact that you have a supernatural enemy trying to crush you. And you have this eternal defense attorney who is always arguing and standing on your behalf. Boy, I need that. He's truth. You will never understand the Bible without the Holy Spirit. Most of the bad theology in the world today is coming from a place of trying to rationally and intellectually comprehend the Word of God, which sounds insane to me. How that you could, with your human mind, correctly interpret the thoughts of an infinite God. That doesn't even make sense. So the Holy Spirit is truth, and then this is my favorite part: the Holy Spirit's power. His power. Christians should not be walking through their lives feeling weak and intimidated and terrified all the time. We have the unlimited, creative power of God living within us. The same power that said "light," and there was light. Before there was a sun, I might add, Genesis 1, check it out. He said light, and there was light. A God like that, that power lives in you. And that power is the reason you are a believer and the reason you follow him. So, so I, these are things I believe about the Holy Spirit. These, here's something I want you to see. if you 2 Timothy 3, 5. This is what Paul said, and Paul is reiterating something Jesus said in the Olivet Discord discourse. And Paul says this in Second Timothy 3:5 he says, "They're going to act religious. They're going to act religious. The world, the system, religion. they're going to act religious, but they're going to reject the power that will make them godly. What power? Their intellect? Their reason? Their ritual? Their religion? No. There's only one power, and it's the power of God, and that power comes to us only through His Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? So here Paul is seeing prophetically a future day that, by the way, Jesus has already declared prophetically in a future day. That there will be a time come that people will be religious, but they will deny the power that would actually make them behave like and act like God. And then Paul adds a tag on it and says, stay away from them. They're dangerous. That's what he's saying. They're dangerous. Now I know you're sitting there going, what if I'm one of those? You're not. You're here. You're good. We got you. I'm going to straighten you out today. Aren't you happy? I'm just kidding. I'm not straightening anybody out today. I'm just reading that to you because I want you to see this is the day we're living this is the day we're living where people claim to be religious but are denying the power that can make them actually like God. And the Holy Spirit is the strength of Jesus' church. The Holy Spirit is the strength, not our finances, not our intellectual, reasonable, re, uh, rational resources, not our work. How hard we work is not a resource. Sorry, I I thought there was a lost child. We're good. No lost child. Children, usually it's mine. That's why I cared. If it was yours, I'd have been okay. (laughs) Just kidding. The strength of Jesus' church is God's Spirit inhabiting God's people to accomplish God's purpose and share the Word of God. That's the power of this church. And that power causes what Paul causes, ever-increasing glory. It means it gets better. And this is what I want you to embrace, every Christian in the room. Your faith in Jesus, yes, it has low points, but it generally gets better and better and better. It gets stronger. Why? Because it's not powered by you. It's powered by God's Spirit. That's where we begin. So here's, I want to look at John 16, because Jesus had some beliefs about the Holy Spirit that you need to have. I think if Jesus said it, we should pay attention. I think if the apostles repeated it, we should also pay attention. But I'm just saying, if Jesus said it, we should pay attention. So here's what Jesus said, John 16. In fact, it's best for you that I go away. Jesus said that. If you've ever wondered, why did Jesus take off? And here's why. He says it's best for you to go away. Because when Jesus was on earth, there's one Jesus walking around. Only by going to heaven could there be billions of Jesuses walking around. Behaving and acting like, representing Jesus. It's best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate, the comforter won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Jesus had to send this. Spirit. And when he comes, he'll convict the world of its sin. He'll do it. You won't have to. So stop guilting your kids. Holy Spirit's got it. Sorry, kids. I'm saying that to my kids who are here today. All right. So, and when he comes, he'll convict the world of sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. John 16, 7 and 8. So Jesus believed that the Holy Spirit had a job in his church and he didn't see that job ending. He saw its purpose there. Then he goes on to say in John 16, 12, There's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Pause. See, you see the gentleness of Jesus here? He knows what you can handle and what you can't. There's a passage in, the, and I believe it's Isaiah, it could be Jeremiah where it talks about how God reveals things little by little, precept on precept, line on line. And that's how God teaches us little by little. He walks us into our faith one step at a time, one day at a time. And here Jesus says, you can't bear it. Now, when the Spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you in all truth. This is the Spirit's job. He takes us into the words of God, the Bible, the scriptures, and he teaches them. He will not speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard. He'll tell you about the future. And he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So this is how Jesus saw the Holy Spirit function in his church. Jesus did not envision a church without the Holy Spirit. He didn't envision a church that didn't have this kind of power, these kinds of dynamics in play, especially the dynamics of truth, of conviction, of awakening people, of changing people's hearts in the way they process things, okay? So here's the, the question, do you believe in the Holy Spirit yourself? It's okay if you're sitting there right now going, I'm not sure, and I'm not sure if I believe in the Holy Spirit like you do, and, and it's okay. You don't have to be like me in any way at all. In fact, I highly recommend you not be like me in any way at all. But it does seem that in John 16, Jesus believed that we desperately need His Spirit. Desperately. He believed we'd need help. He believed we would need the Holy Spirit to do things that we cannot do. I think it's a very American thing and probably a very Wyoming thing to think that if that I can do it all. I can just cowboy up, man up, something up until I get everything accomplished. That's not only not realistic, that's destructive. You are not everything. In fact, that thinking is really. It's really blasphemous because it assumes that you are the God of your own universe because only a God is omnipotent. And I don't mean to be rude, but you ain't. And so Jesus knew we'd need a Holy Spirit. And so in Acts 2, I'm going to look at several scriptures. I'm not going to, I'm not going to read all of these to you that, right now, but in Acts chapter 2, Jesus, well, John 16, Jesus says, I'm sending Holy Spirit. And he's going to do these things. Then Acts 2, we get this phenomenal event. Holy Spirit falls on the church. And 11 guys who were scared for their lives just a few days before, all of a sudden now, they are absolutely fearless. And they turn the world on its head. Why? Because they went from guys who had no power, who knew the power, who had touched the power, who had seen the power, but they did not possess the power until finally they become, in Acts 2, the guys who possessed the power. They were inhabited by God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit. This event in Acts chapter 2 changed everything. This outpouring in Acts that we learn through the hand of Paul. I mean, through the hand of Luke, who's the one who records it for us. But then as we read through the letters of the New Testament, we see that Paul and John and Peter and James, all of these guys expected that the Holy Spirit's work would continue. Because they're always talking about it. In fact, Paul often uses the, the connection, the event of the Holy Spirit as proof of his message. In Galatians chapter 2. So we have a clear account of of what happened. There is no account in the New Testament of it ever stopping. There's nowhere in the New Testament that the New Testament says that the Holy Spirit's work is going to be done. The only passage in 1 Corinthians 13 where it says when everything becomes perfect. Do you think we've hit perfect yet? So, I, I don't think there's, a bib, there's any biblical evidence that the Holy Spirit's work would cease. I think there's a whole lot of evidence that the Holy Spirit would make the church of Jesus unique from anything else. That, that's what I, I believe. It's okay if you disagree with me, but I'm sharing where I believe, and, I, and there's a basis, there's a reason I believe it as I share the rest of this, okay? So, here's the question Can you let God be God? See, this is the rub of the Holy Spirit right here. We, this is what we're scared of. It's really hard not to be our own God. It's really hard. I mean, I know all you Christians in the room are going, I know Jesus God. Yeah, I know. And then last week you probably said something like, I do what I want. <laughs> That's what scares us about the Holy Spirit. I mean, what if God does something we don't like? <laughs> So, Jesus came and he worked all those miracles, right? Have you ever stopped to consider the impact those miracles had on people? And I'm not just talking about the people who were healed or raised from the dead or could walk again. I'm talking about, think about the impact of Jesus' miracles on the religious community, the Pharisees. How did that go for them? They were happy, right? They were like, this is so cool. Someone can do miracles. Is that how that went down? Isn't it funny that God-loving people can be so offensive to some? Isn't that weird? And so, did Jesus work? Why did Jesus do those miracles? Why did he express power? Uh, And, of course, the question, which I I don't want to delve into, but I I will throw it out there, is was that example or was that exceptional? So he did these miracles. What was he doing? Jesus was demonstrating a new relationship with God that could not be had with with religion. That relationship with God was a relationship of inhabitation, meaning that God's in you. Which is unique, isn't it? I mean, think about it. Most religions, they have some kind of place they have to go. Something they do. There's a temple. Even, even ancient Israelites had a temple they had to go to. They, they had something they had to go. Now, here, here's Jesus coming on. He's demonstrating a whole new way to do life and faith with God. And that faith is inhabitational, meaning that God lives within you. Just as God lived within Jesus Christ. And so he doing these miracles and releasing the power of God and all these things manifesting, all, all this stuff that, that made the religious nervous because they couldn't do it, that was the real problem. I mean, if they were doing miracles in Jesus, there wouldn't have been any problem whatsoever. But Jesus' relationship was such with the Father that he was operating from the Father's will, the Father's motives, the Father's purpose. Religion never operates from God's purposes. Religion has its own purposes that are separate from God's. And so Jesus came and he did all of these things. John the Baptist said of Jesus that he would baptize people in spirit and fire. We don't tell you that when you first come to faith. We don't want to freak you out. There's a fire baptism coming next Sunday. Y'all come. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) That's just funny to me. And then Jesus came and he gave the church. He took this life of miracles and relationship. By the way, the miracles were just... the, the miracles are like secondary. The, the miracles are like almost non-issues because this, the real issue was the relationship with the Father. Here's a guy who's praying to the Father that had never happened before. No other religion even prays like that. And so Jesus has this, demonstrates this. He, John says he's going to baptize the Spirit in fire. Jesus says that he gives his church authority, power, and even keys to the kingdom. These are all Jesus' words, how he's described these things. And if you read the end of the Gospel of Mark, that's scandalous. It is so scandalous that likely, if your Bible has the longer ending of Mark, it is labeled in two endings. It's labeled the shorter ending, which is a drag, the drag ending. And then there's the... The longer ending, which is terrifying. I believe God protects His Word. I do. I believe God makes sure we get what we need. And so I believe that's why you have the longer ending of Mark. So, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? Will you let God be God? And then would you look for evidence of the Spirit? Look for the evidence. God's always moving. I think deep Christianity isn't so much doing amazing, awesome things. Sometimes it's that. But it's always noticing. I think, I think this is the spiritual gift we should pray for in our season, in the season that we're in, because I think it is very much like the prophecy gift that Paul's talking about in 1 Corinthians. And it it's simply the gift of noticing. God is always up to something. He's always doing something. Last night, I was watching The Chosen with my wife, and uh, there's this scene. I can't even remember what episode it was in. It's in the new season. And uh, there's Jesus heals a guy that's called Barnaby and his, his blind friend. But he heals Barnaby, and it's a surprise. He didn't tell him he's going to do it. There's no show. I love it because he, he touches him. You see it. You know what's happening. And Jesus just stands there, and the character walks off, and then he says, Hey, and Jesus says, "There it is. There it is. And he's been healed by Jesus Christ, and Peter, the, the character playing Peter, says, "This is fun." This is fun. Hey, uh, let me ask you a question. When's the last time your faith was fun? You see, that's what Holy Spirit does. He makes it fun. He doesn't program things. And that will be, in speaking of, and since it's on the top of everyone's mind, the Asbury revival and what comes out of it, that will be the challenge. Too many of us will try to program it. We will turn what happened there into a, uh, a task list to do everywhere else. And that doesn't work. Why? God's a creator, He's creative. He likes to have fun. He made a platypus. Let me just throw that out there. (laughs) Made a platypus, all right? Crazy. God likes to have fun. He likes to shake things up a little bit. And His Holy Spirit's doing that. And every awakening of God has been different than the awakenings before. Every one has been unique. And the one that's coming, that I think we're starting to see come now, will be unique. And some some of us might not like it. But some of us will go, hey... Let God be God. Let God decide how he's going to connect with Gen Z and millennials and even those old, old Xers. That's me, Gen X. We're X because they marked us off and forgot about us. All right, so, just kidding. Will you look for the Holy Spirit to do things and not dismiss things? I want to share two passages with you that are really important. They're passages that get ignored a lot in a lot of churches, so I just want to read them. 1 Corinthians fourteen nineteen. Dear brothers and sisters, before I read the rest of it, dear brothers and sisters, doesn't that sound personable? Doesn't that sound close? That sounds family, right? This is a guy writing to people he cares about. And he wants, he, he wants to call them something. Like if you were trying to get through to your children but, and you were not taking the hard approach, but you were, you were just trying to get through them, this is how you'd start. Dear, I, I care about you. I'm, and I, I want to invite you into something. Dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. That's First Corinthians. That's what Paul said. Okay? So what does that mean? Let God be God. That's all it means. Yeah, there's decency. There's order. There's the way things that work in the body of Christ. We don't help God. You don't have to help God. He, he, he can do cool stuff without you but he likes to do it with you. And so that, there's that passage where Paul writes that, and then, and then Thessalonians, Paul says, don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Don't stifle him. Don't scoff at prophecies, but test everything. Test everything that is said. Don't just dismiss things because they don't fit your box. Amen. Test everything that's said, hold on to what is good. Prophecies like eating fish. Sometimes you got to spit out bones. Don't don't, hold on to what's good. Stay away from every kind of evil. What what am I saying? Am I trying to push you into something you're not ready for? No. I want to be just like the Father. Everything is gentle, and everyone is gifted in unique ways. And some are gifted in ways that we are not comfortable with. Because that's not how we're gifted. And, and others are gifted in ways that we're totally acceptable. I think that's why denominations exist. Exist. I think denominations are all the gifts flock together like birds and huddles, and, and they stop working together. And so I want to ask you to think about what Paul writes and let God be God. That's all. Let God be God. And also... Stay away from every kind of evil. You you don't want to let things get manipulated, but you want to let God be God. So that is, do you believe in the Holy Spirit? That leads me into this, this question. Will you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, what's that about? Why am I asking this question? Receiving the Holy Spirit is simply about trusting God. You see, Jesus, we talked a few weeks ago about how Jesus said you've got to take up your cross. You've got to lay down your life. What is he saying in all of that? He's not talking about the trials you're going through. He's talking about the fact that you have a God and that God has a purpose for your life. And you submit to that purpose. That's what it is to have a God, is that you submit to that God's purpose for your life. And so receiving the Holy Spirit is simply about trusting God, trusting that God is, and this is the big one, that God is good. The press is reporting that he's not good. The question of the day is, if God really loved us, bad things wouldn't happen to us. Those are the kinds of accusations that are getting levied against the Father who sent his one and only son to die on a cross and forgive everything you've ever done wrong and restore everything that you've ever lost that good father is being accused of being bad because we make bad choices, not because he does. We ruin our lives and then blame God. And so can you trust God? Because that's really what this is about. What, if, what does God want you to do? And is it okay if God wants you to do it? So what if, what if, I'm not saying, I'm not saying he will, what if God wants you to be, I don't know, A preacher guy. You say, I am not comfortable with that. I don't know enough bad jokes to do what you do. What if God wants you to to share his counsel, his encouragement, maybe his warnings from home office to others? What if God has all of this stuff for you? What if he wants you to wear leather and eat bugs? You say, God would never do that. John the Baptist. See, that's why we don't trust the Holy Spirit. What if God asked me to do something I don't want to do? What if I don't want to be a missionary, a preacher? What if I don't want to uh, run a business in a kingdom mindset? What if I don't want to be a family man or woman? What if, I, what if God asked me to do something I don't want to do? What will I do then? I'll tell you what you do. You trust God. Why? (laughs) Father's so good. If he has something a little nuts for you to do, he will walk you there. You won't just wake up tomorrow in in a leather jumpsuit with a bag of locusts running out downtown Rock Springs going, repent, turn or burn! He won't do that. He's a good father. He didn't do that to John the Baptist. He started working with John the Baptist on what he was going to be in the womb. He started early. Okay? And so, you can trust the Father. Here's what I've discovered. The Father's very gentle. However, he's unpredictable. Uh, The line at the end of the line, the witch in the wardrobe, where Aslan is the figure of Christ, and Lucy... Uh, is talking to the fawn which I can't remember his name at the moment and he makes that famous statement that Aslan is no tame lion that's God he is not controllable you cannot manipulate him he is a free and wild God which is awesome and he has for you an exciting journey that he will walk with you through. And so everyone I've known that's had some kind of phenomenal experience with God, something exceptional, something that I'm not ready for, it's always been something that God was using to prepare them for the journey that he had for them. And I've known a lot of people that had very tame encounters with God, very simple ones, and most of mine have been very simple, not all, but most. And all of those are just the gentleness of the Father and the Holy Spirit walking His beloved child. I'm beloved. I'm like God's favorite. It's okay. Don't get jealous. You're also like God's favorite. Cecilia's arguing with me. She goes, no, I'm God's favorite. Yes, you are. God's favorite. And He walks you through this. He loves you. No one will ever love you like God loves you. No one will ever love you as much as God loves you. And so just know that you can trust God. Know also that the Holy Spirit is a key part of the gospel. A key part of the gospel. Acts 2, 38 and 39. This is the first gospel sermon right here. The first one after everything is settled. Paul's, uh, Peter says this in Acts two thirty-eight. each of you must repent of your sins, which I wish I had time just to teach on that one line, but we'll come back to it in the future, and turn to God be baptized in the name of jesus christ the name of jesus christ is not an incantation it's an issue of authority it's who's your god okay in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and then you'll receive the gift of the holy spirit this is peter talking and then he goes on he says this promises to you in verse nine this promises to you say me it's to your children. So look at your kids if they're around or think about them. Look at them. It's for your children. And it's to those far away. All, say all. All who have been called by the Lord our God. Does that sound like the Holy Spirit, that the demotion is, is in there somewhere? This is God's plan, that the Holy Spirit would always be there for those who turn to Christ, okay? So those who repented and were baptized in the name of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So this is what the Holy Spirit does. This is in the very first gospel message. Now, Paul goes on to say in Ephesians 5, verse 18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You just need to see that this is something God has for you, that the Holy Spirit is part of your life, that recognizing it, noticing it, existing it, living in the reality of the Holy Spirit of your life. What I don't want for you, there's a passage in Acts, I think it's Acts 19. Acts 19. Paul goes to Ephesus. No, it's got to be earlier than that. It's, it's in the middle of Acts. He goes to Ephesus, and he meets a bunch of believers. And he asks them, you guys have a Holy Spirit? And they say back to him, What? We, we don't even know if there is such a thing as the Holy Spirit. That's their answer. Every time I read that, I think that is the, that is the plight of the majority of Christians today. I don't even know if there is a the Holy Spirit. I'm not even sure. I mean, what does that look like? What am I supposed to have? It's, you know, and there we have all this baggage about what that means. My goal is I want to make sure you know that you can have the Holy Spirit, that this is, God is not holding out on you, okay? You may be looking for the wrong thing. But God, the Bible says, Jesus said that the Father loves to give the Holy Spirit when his kids ask. That's what he wants to do. God isn't up there like, you know, I only got a little bit of Holy Spirit. And I only, only, the, only the super really special kids get it. And that's what a lot of people think. You will never encounter anything about God that is not excessively overabundant. God's way too much. He's always way too much. He has the Holy Spirit for you. And so there, I think a lot of people are walking around going, I don't know, because they've just, they, they don't know if they can trust God. They don't know if he'll do anything about it if they ask. But I'm telling you, I need the Holy Spirit. Like that meme that's, on, that's been circulating on Facebook. I don't need the Holy Spirit just for worship on Sunday. I need him to get to Walmart and back. He's helpful finding parking spaces too, but that's a different discussion. This isn't rocket science. That's what I'm saying. Holy Spirit's not rocket science. It's not some mystical guru weirdness thing. Ooh, Pastor Michael got the Holy Spirit. Ooh. It's not that at all. It's not weird. Holy Spirit's not weird. It's power. It's like dynamite. Dynamite's not weird. It's just power. Don't be holding it when it goes off, but still... Holy Spirit's one of those things you do want to hold when it goes off. I'm sorry, that played better in my head than it just came out. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? How much more? How much more will your heavenly Father, your Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? You see, it's not rocket science. You say, man, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. Well, we can fix that right now, quick, fast, and in a hurry. Michael, you sounded real twangy there. I'm twangy. Father, I'd like the Holy Spirit. That's it. Well, what, what if what if you get knocked out on the floor? You'll find out later. What what if you start talking funny? I, I don't know. What, do you talk funny. I'm from Tennessee. I've been talking funny my whole life. It ain't even weird to me. You know. What if? What if it just feels normal? I promise you this. It doesn't matter how it feels. There ain't nothing normal about God doing exactly what he said would do for you. Here's, here's the, the non-rocket science answer to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, can I have the Holy Spirit? And here you go. You ready? Thank you. You can't. The Father will not, not give you His Holy Spirit. This is part of the package. As Peter said, this is for you, it's for your kids, and it's for all. Say all. 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 The Holy Spirit is for all of you. What happens after that? Awesome. Power. Change, faith, purpose, reserves, comfort, victory. All of that happens. As we walk through this series, we're going to talk about what some of the spiritual gifts are. But I will tell you right now, I do not believe that the Bible has a full exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. I think spiritual gifts can come into play or go out of play as needed or not needed. I think some of you have gifts that are not listed in the Bible. And we think you're weird, but they're just gifts. And so as we walk through this, we're going to look at how to discover it. But I'm going to tell you, there's no formula to what we're going to discover. I do have this online survey for you that you can take anytime you want, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you the caveat from the very beginning. That survey will not tell you what your gifts are. It will get you started on discovering what your gifts are. Here's how you find out what your spiritual gifts are. Father, I, res- I-, I want your Holy Spirit. Give me your Holy Spirit, just like you said. Thank you, Father. And then you go out and you start doing stuff. Some of you are already doing your spiritual gifts out in your business, out in the community, in your job. You're already using your spiritual gifts. All we're gonna do is help you discover them, and that's the point of this, so that you can use them for God, and you can find purpose for what God has for your life. That's what this is about. And by the way, this isn't just for ordinary faith. This is for Rock Springs. This is for the city. God doesn't... He gives spiritual gifts to the body of Christ. Why do you think he does that? What does the body of Christ do? Oh, yeah, it ministers to communities. That's what the body of Christ does. And so, I want to encourage you to seek and desire God. To desire and seek His Holy Spirit. I want you to know that receiving the Holy Spirit is just receiving God. A lot of people ask God for an experience... And what you need is God. If you have God, experiences may come. They likely will. And they'll be suited to you. But if you, if you just get an experience, you could walk away with a, an experience and not have God. Don't ask for stuff from God. Ask for God himself. That's what we do. So desire God. Seek these gifts. As we walk through this series, you're going to discover some things about yourself, and those things are going to excite you. They're going to fuel your purpose. They're going to give you reason and purpose for what you're doing in your life. That's what today's about. So let's bow our heads and pray. <coughs> Excuse me. Father, we have gone a little long, uh, and I pray that you would help us to stick together for just another minute or so. I, I ask you, Lord, to help us Receive your Holy Spirit. That is what we need today. That's what the body of Christ needs today. Help us to receive from you. And we need help, Lord, because we don't receive well. We're so much better at trying to earn. We want to feel like we deserve. But how do you deserve eternal life? How do you deserve? the Spirit of God. How do you deserve a relationship with God as your Father? We can't. But we can receive it. And that's what I want to ask you to do in this, as you walk among us, as your Spirit touches our hearts. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts and minds to you and just ask you and receive your Spirit. Help us to open up our hearts and arms and just say, God, I need, God, I need, I need. And let us receive your life and your love and your power. Maybe you're praying that right now. I receive. I need your gift of the Holy Spirit, Father. Just tell him. Father, please give me your Holy Spirit. And maybe you just said that in your heart and your mind. Jesus said that the Father loves to do that. He loves to give you His Spirit. He wants to do this. I mean, if we can be good to our children, how much better can our Father be to us, especially when we ask Him for Him, because that's what we're asking for, for His Holy Spirit. I'm asking you to make that your prayer. I... We do have our, our prayer team today. Your heads are still bowed. We're, um, we do have a prayer team on my right and your left. They're going to be over here at these tables. If, if you would need some help praying over this, or you're having trouble believing that God has this for you, or anything at all, or any other matter, maybe you need God to work in your life in a situation or a health matter, have some folks who would love to pray for you. What makes their prayers powerful is the same thing that makes your life powerful. It's the Holy Spirit. So I'm asking you now to ask the Father to send his Holy Spirit to you. Father, I ask that you would answer all these prayers that go up. Father, you do what you want to do. And you help us, Father, please, to trust you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. Pastor Steve. Thank you.